podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome along to another episode of Your Tales, the number one European football show. We're going to explore the regions and the stories that contribute to the continent's footballing pyramid. Every team has a story to tell and we're going to try and tell it to you through medium of experts and passionate fans. And to know we have an absolute jam-packed episode featuring some of the finest footballing minds in our cosmos. Chapter 1, Ipswich Town, the Tractor Boys. We have a treat for you. Rev up your tractors. There is something brewing in East Anglia. Ipswich Town are on the rise with an exciting young manager in Kieran McKenna. They've smashed every stat off the board in League One. Can they do it in the Championship following their promotion? We are graced with the divine knowledge of Benjamin Bloom. Benjamin runs the immortal and fantastic Benjamin Bloom football channel on YouTube with over 30,000 subscribers. He's a mecca of footballing wisdom. We discuss views on the championship ahead of the new season from the guys of Ipswich Town. And we ain't finished just there with Benjamin and Ipswich Town. Our Ipswich Exploration also is gifted with insights and a soundbite from Jacob Powley from the powerful and topical Blue Monday podcast, which is a really popular and fantastic Ipswich Town podcast. Chapter 2, pack your bags, we're off to Spain, Celta Vigo, Rafa Benitez. Will they be the surprise package in La Liga this season? Madrid-based La Liga expert Marc Sochon blesses this episode with his intimate knowledge of a club on the rise. Mark is the editor of the fantastic La Liga Expert website. Then we're back to England. The Rams, Derby County, one of the cornerstones of English football history. The former Premier League club is now dwelling in League One. Last season was one of how would you describe it? Extreme transition for the Midlands club. There was a new owner, new management, and up to 18 new players rolled into Pride Park. They went on an incredible 19-game unbeaten run from late 2022 to early 2023, which ignited dreams of a playoff run to gain promotion to the championship. Alas, it was not to be failing at the final hurdle. Despite that disappointment, there's plenty of cause for optimism going into the new season. We are joined by Jacob Barker from the terrific Rams Talk podcast, number one podcast for Derby County. We'll get the inside track on the Rams for the rest of the transfer window and maybe a prediction or two out of Jacob for the new season. Let's get right into it. Switch Town. They're so impressive. We have two parts of the show discussing Ipswich Town. The first part here, we're joined by Benjamin Bloom. Benjamin was kind enough to offer a one-on-one with us just before he ran off on holiday. So the Tractor Boys are on the road. buoyed with the wealth of interested and committed American owners. The club is going from strength to strength in recent times. Manager Kieran McKenna emerged from the ashes of Ole Gunnar ill-fated reign at Manchester United to find his own managerial path. And his decision to take the reins at Portman Road seems to be vindicated following the Tractor Boys promotion. What is brewing in East Anglia? Let's find out from the man with the inside track and attracts a load of knowledge in abundance. It's Benjamin Bloom. We are joined by EFL expert and YouTube sensation Benjamin Bloom to discuss the club on the rise, Ipswich Town. The Tractor Boys are back in the promised land of the championship after emerging from the end of last season as one of the most informed sides 
in European football. This spearheaded their promotion push. There's no greater gatekeeper of EFL knowledge than Mr. Bloom. We are absolutely blessed to have him. Willis Benjamin, how are you? And please tell us a bit about yourself. Slightly overwhelmed by that wonderful introduction and all the um, superlatives, Liam. You're, you're far, far too kind. I would never call myself an expert, but if you want to... That's absolutely fine by me. I'm just a fan like the like the rest of us. And um, I've spoken to real experts who've played the game and whatnot. But we, we love to give our opinion and we love to hear the audience's opinion. And that's gone over um, terribly well. Um, I've, I've stitched myself up really, Liam, because um, I'm off to a caravan with the in-laws tomorrow morning. Beautiful. I've left myself... It's not beautiful though. We're going to going to Chichester on the south coast of England. It's pouring with rain already. You've got my little two-year-old daughter and the in-laws there. I'm gonna try and chill out for the next four days, but I've got to do my championship predictions today. Oh and yes. Just be, you've given me a nice break, actually, because I just typed up all the way up to um five, and I will say no more. I'm already regretting most of them, and I'll probably <laughs> switch ten of them around before I film it. So I'm incredibly stressed, Liam. <laughs> You've got the mystic Meg face on. I can feel it from you. <laughs> well, the caravan club, it, look at the in-betweeners. You might have a great time. I'm I'm more Trailer Park Boys. If you ever watch Trailer Park Boys, the, the Canadian show, although I do not endorse um, their criminal behaviour, let's just say, but their wonderful, loving friendship, I do. And an endless glass of whiskey in the hand. <laughs> <laughs> when he gets out, when the car has crashed and turned over, and he gets out with a glass of whiskey, <laughs> oh, dude, you need you need to watch it. But yeah, it's one of those ones, Liam, where um, yeah, through your own life experiences, you'll either find it really funny, or you'll just be like, "This is ridiculous. This is not is. this is not funny at all." But I'll, I'll say no more on what that life experience may be. <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> so, my man, the feel-good factor is back with a bang in East Anglia. Portman Road is packed to the rafters again. What is going on with this renaissance at your beloved Ipswich town? Uh, well, a uh, renaissance, obviously, we have to be balanced about this, Liam. A uh, renaissance does have to come after, you know, we're pointing the nose of the plane back up. It's been... It's been horrible for a long, long time before this renaissance. I, I don't want to give you the entire sob story, but literally wrong place, wrong time, relegated from the Premier League when ITV Digital went bust all those yeah. years ago. I always say to people, it's the equivalent of coming down, getting told you've got your parachute payments, spending them, and all of a sudden they're gone and you're in administration like that because you've got bills up here and you've got no money coming in. We never really recovered from that. We got the new owner, um, Marcus Evans, I think around sort of 2010. Just a disaster, just a really successful businessman. But you know as well as I do that that doesn't, that doesn't convert. And you can't be like some kind of Dragon's Den investor with a football team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it over. And because I know about numbers and, you know, figures and I've got this business and that business. I'm going to be successful at football. It just doesn't work like that, does it? It's no. a completely different animal. So stagnate, stagnate. In the end, um, Mick McCarthy kind of kept it propped up for you know for three or four years when really the owner was not really the owner left him to fall out with the fans and there's a big fallout between Mick and the and the fans, which is very regretful. And both sides didn't cover themselves in glory then. Then the bottom of it just completely fell out. Abject, terrible relegation from the championship. Three years in League One, Paul Lambert, that was a disaster. And then we got the takeover. And um, Paul Cook, who I liked very much, uh, didn't last very long. Um, and Kieran McKenna, who was working at Manchester United, um, he was pretty much one of the main coaches there under... Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with Michael Carrick, who's obviously produced some brilliant football at um, Middlesbrough. And uh, yeah, McKenna came in, not last season, the season before, and things started to look good. And look, we have to be really, really honest as football fans and balanced. We were a very wealthy team 
at, at League One level. I, I sit here lecturing, you know, I, I will Burnley fans or whatever last year with all the money coming in. I can't not acknowledge it as an Ipswich fan. We had a very big wage bill. We brought in a lot of players. It didn't quite, you know, sort of manifest itself until the final third of the season. But when it when it clicked, it was absolutely fantastic. And yes, I know I've got fans sitting near me at Ipswich who've seen us win the UEFA Cup, have seen us, yeah. you know, nearly win the top league, first, you know, second place and would have been first in 1975 with the three points for a win thing. Yes, Ipswich fans still talk about that. But it just clicked the last sort of third. I think McKenna learned that um, in League One, you can have the loveliest, pretty pattern of play in the world, but you've got to run and you've got to be able to defend, you know. Get, I d- remember Liam Richardson, who won League One with Wigan, um, saying, oh, I'm trying to remember the three things he said. He said, can you play? Great. Can you run? You know, um, yeah. was was the other thing. I can't remember the, the third. It was sort of three vital tenants. And at League One level, a lot of it is, you know, are, are you solid? Are you steady? Can you can you grind it out? And I think McKenna just twigged that in the last um, last third of the season. And the football was fantastic. Great winning streak um, to get into second. And, you know, this, we've had this stadium that was built on the back before that. <laughs> administration the two stands on the end and we've never seen never seen full never been noisy and that all that all kind of came together at the end of last season so that is the short story nothing short with me always waffling but of, <laughs> no, of, it's amazing of, of the renaissance so far yes to be continued as they say <laughs> with this new life that's come into the club as you said a takeover happened in 2021 what have these new American owners done for the club? Uh, it, it's difficult to not make it all about money because when, when you actually ask the question of what is a good owner, it wouldn't be unreasonable to say the best owner is Sheikh Mansour or Roman Abramovich because they are not afraid to lose millions. And I think we're into billions now with, uh, with those yeah. two names just to spend money and lose money on a football team. So on the one hand, that's a good owner. But the real more important thing, particularly when you're in League One and you're not talking about ridiculous Champions League stuff, is what is a what is a good custodian? If you let your house out to somebody, are they going to leave it to rot and pay the rent late every month? Or are they going to really make it, you know, really make the house look lovely, make it a a lovely, wonderful place. There's two sides to being a good owner. And uh, these guys have done both. You know, they've made a made a very good hire with Kieran McKenna. It was a bold decision as well to take Paul Cook out. You know, they could have, could have let that run a little bit longer and said, okay, he hasn't had enough chance. But they, they did what they did. And, you know, in hindsight, it, it worked. They've invested. Okay, the paradigm changes when you go in the championship and you've got the hard... FFP limit and you're now and this is said with love and respect to Cheltenham, Accrington, Cambridge, you're not up against them anymore. You're up against former Premier League champions Leicester. You're up against Sunderland who can sell 32,000 season tickets. You're up against Southampton, you know, who are going to come down with tons of money. Leeds United, you talk about a big club. Do you know what I'm no, they I'm are saying. Premier League teams, aren't they? they? They are not like they are established clubs well, been, with infrastructure and and I've been doing the Liam the one to twenty fours. Just looked at Leicester's league finishes, and it's like up until fifth, fifth in the Premier League, you know. And yeah. now they're now they're in the Championship. So look, that's what you're up against now. But the owners have been fantastic. They've been communicative. They've been humble. Obviously, look, we're all selfish football fans. We all want our owners to put money in and back the yep. manager. And I'm not going to lie about that. You, you do, you do want that. I don't, I don't want to be. Much would be lovely to be like. Remember Wolves in the Championship, lost a million pounds a week. Um, Aston Villa, 
Fulham's oh, wage bill. Dear mighty Benjamin. <laughs> well, so you know. I know. Uh, Villa, the, you know, that very last season. And look. We nearly went to the wall under that Chinese ownership. I mean, my take is that someone like Aston Villa, because it's so historic and so big, they'll always find a workaround. They'll, someone will always come in because it's Aston Villa. But yeah. again, you know how much money was spent to oh and get some that. of the signings we made atrocious i'd say in the top 10 worst transfers of all time in the championship we must have 40 <laughs> percent ross, ross, ross mccormack you're talking he about could get out of his house he, he lost himself <laughs> i remember god i remember they tried to do a newcastle didn't they and it was got it, didn't got work. it badly 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 wrong but that's what that's what we want from our owners that they seem to be on on the more prudent side in terms of FFP. Look, we're going to make a loss this year. You know that's going yeah. to happen. But yeah. then, other than probably Rotherham, you know, Plymouth will probably be close by, won't they? They're really well run. Maybe maybe one of the parachute teams, if they sell enough players, might just be on the right side of it. But you'd think with the wage bills, they'll make a loss anyway. So, no, look, they've been brilliant. The, the ground is now being sort of pepped up. I remember Liam under Evans before COVID, I remember sitting there, we were playing Fleetwood at home and the stadium was mostly empty. We were down in the middle of League One. We we're on a terrible run and Fleetwood beat us 1-0. deserved to beat us. Um, Jerry Barton out. I think there was like 60 Fleetwood fans had come down on the Tuesday night. I just remember looking up at the other sand and it's Ipswich Town and you saw the flag and you're like, Come on, what what is what is yeah. what would Bobby Robson or Alf Ramsey think of, yes. think of where this has got to? And yep. you know they've just given everything a, a sort of new lease of life, and there's work being done on the stadium now as well. And look, you know as well as I do, if they lose eight of the first eleven games next year, half <laughs> the fan base will be grumpy anyway. But we're 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 so positive at the moment, and it's just really nice after you know, years of, frankly, watching other teams have their moment and other teams turn up at our stadium and you, you see that away and celebrate and you're like, I wish that was us. And last season yeah. it was us at League One level and hopefully um, that can transition in some way, shape or form into the Truly amazing. I love that word you, you used, um, custodian, isn't it? And that's the thing in the, a world where everyone wants stuff now, now, Good owners are custodians as well as investors, isn't it? It does be lost so much. Well, that Liam, you go to Villa and you look over to the stand, and they've got a commentary of the European yeah. Cup winning goal written on the stand. And I always kind of look over there and think, oh, okay, I, I, feel, I feel where I am. And that was three or four owners ago, and yeah. that'll, that'll be gone past you and me and all the other... Yeah. owners and that's you know that's the deal these are great institutions you think and I know we all have our rivalries you know with Villa and Birmingham and Ipswich and Norwich or whatever but they're great they're great institutions that mean a lot to people it's the fabric of a community isn't it and to families and to yeah. you know fathers and sons and daughters and mothers you know going together and you know that my little girl even got the the podcast team bought the Ipswich Town ones in. She's, you know, she's wearing it, <laughs> wearing it when she's two months old. The poor little brainwashed little baby. But there you go. <laughs> that's sports washing and its finest. Bit. <laughs> Better than my clothes washing with all the vomit and you know what, Dan. Yeah. You've been very modest with um, Ipswich's form there towards the end of last season. Let me rhyme off some of these stats without losing my breath. Most shots in the division, most touches in the opposition penalty area, most corners, and I water and 101 goals from 46 games. Top scores in the division, highest scores in all four divisions of English football. Walton and goal with 22 clean sheets, best defence in the division, leaking just a minuscule 35 goals from 46 games. Surely these guys are championship ready. What are you feeling? 
My feeling is that you've just pissed off every Plymouth fan. So we should point out for all those stats, Plymouth were champions they last were, year. They were. And, and their fans get very got very upset. And I kind of got it a little bit with the coverage that, you know, that that run that Ipswich got. So this is with all love and respect to Plymouth, who were the champions and, you know, they won League One last season. But, yeah, that that runner and if you dumb it down dumb it down sorry if you drill it down even more to the last I think 15 they call it the last 15 games because they were the last 16 were all unbeaten I think it's 19 unbeaten anyway um at that run at the end of the season it's something mental like scored 45 and conceded four over the last it's like ridiculous like you're on football manager and you've cheated and you're replaying the game every yeah every time you don't win three nil basically and yeah it was crazy and do you know what that okay you've got a bigger wage bill than everyone else but in that run uh went to derby um two nil away from home just nailed it went to peterborough uh playoff semi-finalist three nil away from home went to barnsley three nil away from home they just even the good teams as well. It's a shame that you yeah. played Plymouth for I remember Wednesday. before you played Barnsley, um, they highlighted it in the Barnsley press conference. They said Ipswich were the best team ever in League One. They said not just this season. They said stats-wise, these guys are blow, blown it out of the park. It was like they knew they could see what was coming. I mean, it's so wonderful and humbling to to hear that and I have you know I don't want to drop names I have heard League One managers tell me you know in terms of the coaching and again this is acknowledging Plymouth won League One yeah last we last don't year. want to upset the Janos no. be no 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 a brilliant brilliant manager a great club um Plymouth such such a great upward trend so different to Ipswich as well yeah. in terms of one having a renaissance but one just ploughing through the divisions, but I did hear this, you know, Plymouth for the champions, but in terms of the pattern of play, and this is what we think might translate next next year. And that's this is not about Ipswich versus Plymouth, you know, one got 101 points and one got 98. Come on, this is yeah. you know, I think I think they've both done pretty well last <laughs> season. But yeah, you're talking about the coaching and the the pattern of play. And in the championship, money talks and tactical innovation talks. So if you haven't got loads of money, but you're Chris Wilder at Sheffield United with your centre-backs or Daniel Farker at Norwich, even um, Ishmael at Barnsley with the long ball and the pressing, yep. got in the playoffs, innovative yeah. tactically, you know, so that can, maybe I should go back and change where I put Ipswich. I'm talking myself up now in my, <laughs> in my, in my list. But yeah, if, if that is what the pros are saying and if, Mike Duff or whoever said that in the Barnsley. Yeah, it was um, Duff, yep. You know, and I I respect Mike Duff's opinion. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, you know, then maybe that pattern of play will work, but really nicely in the championship. With my emotional hat on, I really hope it, I really hope it does. Got, you deserve it. You guys deserve it. What, what <laughs> I liked watching you guys from uh, a neutral footballing perspective was young, hungry, attacking players uh, your wing dwellers there davis and Bournes, one two top of the assist table these guys can they do it in the championship do you think and attack those flanks it's it's so hard to say isn't it and you have to be humble enough to say in that squad sammy morsey has been viable in the championship before with wigan and middlesbrough um Connor Chaplin was actually player of the month for Barnsley in the championship. Otherwise, uh, Christian Walton's had a few loans in there, the keeper. Otherwise, they're not proven at uh, championship yeah. level. And, you know, we don't think Leif Davis will be, you know, pinging out an assist every second game from left wing back. But it, it, I think you said it right, Liam, in the the kind of profile of the player. So what they've gone for is... and. Again, I'm sure other League Ones or fans would rightly say, oh, yeah, great tactic spending a million quid on a 21-year-old fullback at League One level. Yeah, you know, go go figure. So we 
we say that with all humility that not many teams can do that at League One level and we understand. But that was the strategy. And, you know, Leif Davis sort of schooled at Leeds, that good calibre, you know, worked with Bielsa, so doesn't get much doesn't get much higher than that. Wow. Um, Harry Clark came through at Arsenal and he's playing down the other side. You've got the people like Wes Burns, who, like you say, who came from um, Fleetwood, yeah. you know, and they're going to be the ones that you almost hope don't get lost in the shuffle. But but it's brutal, isn't it? If you're amb- yeah. if you're ambitious, you've you know that you've got your shirt, and it's just elite football. Someone someone else is taking it. If you you know, I would love the likes of Wes Burns or you know someone like Luke Wolfenden who's come through at the club at centre back to be able to step up. And you know, George Hurst has now joined. He came through at at Leicester and obviously he's got the got the um kind of hanging over him his father is David Hurst so he's you know you've got that got that thing to kind of keep up with Nathan Broadhead as well came through at Everton and that seems to be the type of profile of player exciting one as well and if everyone wants to be thinking that they've got when Wigan got Reese James on loan or Blackburn yeah. got Harvey Elliott on loan so we've got Amari Hutchinson from Chelsea now as well. And you just have your fingers crossed. Can he be, you know, obviously Reese James would be the, the the dream where it's you loan a player and they become the best player in your team. But even last year, Ahmad Diallo for Sunderland. Oh, he was amazing. He was fantastic, wasn't he? And yeah. you, you think, okay, Sunderland, what was it? Fifth or sixth? No, sixth. Sunderland sixth, sixth in the yeah. end. And... Where are they without Diallo? So a, a lone is, player, yeah, a lone player can make a make a big difference. So, yeah, um, you you do need that mix. There is that fear that other clubs have got real just championship hardened players. They know they know the way around the league and the country. And of course, then you know you've got Leeds are going to possibly put out Sinistera and Nonto on each side. Leicester. Are, Going to have another year of Jamie Vardy in the championship with Connor Cody and Harry Winks just come in. Southampton, Alcaraz, Livramento. Maybe they'll be sold, but that's what you're up against. And yeah, you know, and um, Blackburn as well, where yeah. I always get them wrong. And um, it's there. Is there issues there with with money? Is is Thomason getting itchy feet? You don't know. Does he yeah. stay and they're in the playoffs? You know, I've got no no idea with some of some of these teams. What would be your your wishes for the rest of the transfer window for Ipswich? Where do you think they need to strengthen? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'm already really pleased that you know with the business that's been done so far. We all wanted George Hurst because we'd had him on loan um, last season. He's got a lot to prove because you know fans of Rotherham and Blackburn will rightly say, well. He was on loan in the championship with those teams and didn't didn't, didn't work. You know, he didn't 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 literally scored zero goals. So uh, yeah. we hope in this circumstance, in this situation, that um, things are things are better for him. I think centre back would be would be nice. Um, there's so Wolfenden is there. We've got Cameron Burgess. Um, he's from Accrington. Uh, George Edmondson wasn't really in the team at the end of end of last season. So I don't know how much sort of depth there is there, but uh, I'm sure all fans of all clubs are doing it. We're very nerdy. We know there's in a 20 fan, 25 man squad, only really one spot left um, in the Ipswich squad. So uh, a centre back and I I don't want to contradict myself. I'd love a, a young, um, a young centre back, but you tend to take them on loan, don't you? Rather than yep. if you want a centre-back who knows what he's doing, they tend to be 27, 28. But Battle-hardened, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Or you get the lad Leicester have just signed from Man City, uh, Doyle, who was yep. 19, but he's going to be a really, really good player. Can you can you get a elite young young centre-back in on, on loan? So... Um, yeah, I, I would like a like you said a battle hardened centre back or or a be wonderful to get a an elite Premier League loney centre back. You've got no hope of being able to keep them in the end because they're 
just a level above, but you can borrow them for a season, can't you? It is. It, have some fun <laughs> with them. Ipswich seem to, to keep the transfer business to the UK and Ireland. Would that be fair to say? No real exotic hmm. boys from the continent. That would be fair to say. And that's probably to the detriment, really, isn't it? When you see Victor Jokerez, I know he came from Brighton, but and Gus Hamer at Coventry, Zian Fleming at, at Millwall, all the Belgian um business that Burnley did last yeah. year. So I think you make a good point that um, it might be nice to, you know, to see those markets sort of exploited. But, you know, that where there's value, there's there's value. I know you, you do pay do pay a bit of a bit extra for the British and Irish lads, don't you, from the yeah. um, from the English clubs. So um, yeah, I, I think it's a fair point and it's something you'd like to see them go to. But you Remember when Huddersfield went up, everyone went and signed German players, didn't they? And then Norwich did it the next season and got promoted. And everyone's signing players from Belgium now. You get these, you know, it kind of goes in circles. Like you mentioned, Hull obviously got the Turkish ownership and players come in from Turkey then, don't you? you So we'll we'll see where where the trends trends go. But hopefully they're looking. And um, But yeah, you, you, you make a fair point. That would be something you'd like to see added in a bit of diversity in where they're looking for the new players. And that's, um, I know you've just recorded your predictions, so we won't won't press you for an exclusive there, (laughs) but could I just press you and ask, could a playoff charge be on the cards for Ipswich Town next season? (sighs) I don't think so, no. I, I... Don't get me wrong. I would be like a like like a bovine in in excrement. If you, if, if you know, I would. I would. Uh, is a bovine is a cow, not a pig? Isn't a, a, is a pig a bird? I don't know. Your listeners can can tell me. But look, I, I'd absolutely love it. Um, obviously, people look at Sunderland last year, who went from the League One playoffs to the Championship playoffs. If you if you do the research, Sunderland are an outlier. It's do you know? I think they're the only sort of even top ten team out of the last 30 that have gone up. And you can make the argument that Sunderland, they're a big club in in waiting and maybe Ipswich have some similarities there. Um, I must admit, I think there is one playoff position open. I'm pretty sure about five of the five of the top six, but um, I don't know. Look, if, if we speak after 10 games and this pattern of play looks like it works at championship level and Ipswich are, Ipswich are beating, say, say, they, say they can beat Stoke, say they can beat Preston, can they beat Bristol City, you know, can they beat Blackburn, you don't expect them to beat Leeds, Southampton, Leicester, Middlesbrough, Watford, Norwich, you know, there's, there's teams you think are a higher level, but if they can beat the teams in, who are in the middle, then I will change my mind quickly. I would be very humbly hoping to plonk them right in with the the teams that are that are in the in the middle and yeah you you just you just never know do you, you see some teams come up and you think they're going to be you know they're going to be fantastic and they struggle struggle really yeah. badly you know some teams have that momentum they have that feel good and they just keep it keep it going through to October November and they're maybe Charlton when they come up with Lee Bowyer, they were pretty much second or second or third, um, yeah, and got relegated. <laughs> at the start. Yeah. Then Reading last, <laughs> Reading were third at the first international break last season. I know they got six point deduction, but got relegated. You know, so you just never know when things actually even themselves out. So maybe we can make a a good start. You you won't have done this, but all Ipswich fans have done this. December, oh, so there's. I think we'd like to play all of the parachute teams within the space of about oh, eight games or something. Happy you're like, Christmas, Ben. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, give me any points, you know, <laughs> your draw here or there. So, yeah, you don't know. But the boring, sensible answer is that they just need to create value on the balance sheet and in the team. Like you mentioned Leif Davis. If he goes from being... You know, arguably the best left-sided defender in League One, 
to a good championship. Which he's more than capable of, isn't he? By by the looks of it. Yeah, I hope so. Then all of a sudden, his value is... You can't can't send anyone for any money when you're in League One. You know, no one's... We had Flynn Downs, who then went on to West Ham for tons and tons of money. But what could we get for him while we were in League One? A couple of million. And then when Swansea sell him from the Championship, he's a £20 million player. So it's building up that... That value, can you turn Harry Clark, Leif Davis, Nathan Broadhead, Luke Wolfenden, can you turn them into big assets? And then, as hard as Ipswich fans will have to, you know, might struggle to cope with hearing it, you've got to sell those players. And then you've got to compete. And then maybe instead of signing, look what Coventry are now doing. That sold Victor Jokerez for 20 million euros, plus possibly 4 million more coming. And now... They can have Ellis Sims for 3.5 million and uh, Bobby Thomas has just come from Burnley yeah. for a couple. All of a sudden, Coventry are signing, they might sign 10 million quid's worth of player over four or five players and that, that then spreads out and accumulates. And if Coventry do it right, Coventry become Brentford and look where Brentford yeah. are. <laughs> you know, the boring fact is 13 million pound rolling loss limit per year. And you know three teams are coming down and they're going to get the 45 million quid parachute payment. So if you're one of those teams that does not have that payment, um, you've got to raise money to challenge these teams somehow. And, um, you know, Coventry selling Jokeres, for example, puts them on a par with, you know, maybe a Norwich or a Watford who are in year two after coming down. And look, Obviously, I always say money is no guarantee. You have to spend it competently, but it's a bloody good head start, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Benjamin Bloom, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm a big fan of yours. I wanted to let you get away on your vacation. I hope you have a splendid time. And I hope we can have you on again to talk about Ipswich and the Championship. Yeah, 100%. And um, just for any of your listeners, if I may, uh, the Benjamin Bloom football channel over on youtube as benjamin bloom on twitter as well come and have a come and have a chat come and comment on one of the videos I try and reply to as many as i can and what we try and do on the channel Liam, we try i know emotion is the best thing about football but we try and just take one step to the side and try and be balanced if norwich do something good i'm going to say norwich did something good yeah. i'm not i'm not going to you know be tribal about it if you know we're going to try and call it call it as it is and um you know have a really good really good sort of debate and community there so come and come and um subscribe watch some videos get in the comments and um i'll chat to you there 100 percent. thank you so much an insane pleasure to have benjamin bloom on the pod thank you so much for your time benjamin hope you had a great time in the caravan if you want to keep abreast of all things brilliant and chaotic in the toughest league in the world, the Championship. Get Mr. Bloom's footballing YouTube channel in your footballing diet. It is essential listening if you want to keep abreast of the Championship. The link to his marvellous channel and Twitter handle is in the show notes. Can Ipswich mount a playoff challenge? Funny things happen especially in the footballing world. And we ain't finished there with Ipswich. We also have a beautiful little soundbite from a man called Jacob Powley from the absolute fantastic Ipswich Town podcast called the Blue Monday Podcast. Over to you, Jacob. In the transfer market, I think we come into the season with a relatively strong squad, partly because CEO Mark Ashton has been very shrewd in his business over the last uh, last year or so. So unlike in the Championship in League One, financial fair play didn't take count take account of the transfer fees. So the three million pounds we spent in January on Nathan Broadhead and Harry Clark helped us to improve with an eye on the Championship. But now it hasn't eaten into our budget. Now we're here, which is really important. Um, so we've done a little bit of business in the summer. So we spent about a million and a half each on bringing George Hurst back permanently and getting Jack Taylor from Peterborough. Amari Hutchinson on loan from Chelsea is a really exciting one as well. So that should give us more technical options uh, out wide to rival Wes Burns. 
Um, the biggest weakness remaining, I'd say, is left centre-back. We've had Austin Trusty linked. So he's at Arsenal and spent last year on loan at Birmingham, won their player of the year. Um, he's maybe not the best on the ball, which, you know, most of our defenders last year were primarily ball carriers because they didn't have to do a lot of defending. Um, but the quality is there. You know, he's definitely a step up on what we've got. And I think stylistically, it's not so much of a problem because we won't dominate as many games as we did in League One, which means that having a more traditional defender to complement Luke Wolfenden, who's a very good passer, makes sense. Um, up front is a bit of a strange one. So we've brought George Hurst back and Freddie Ladapo is still on the books. He scored, I think, 17 last season, despite not being the first choice for all of it. But we play with such intensity that whoever starts is usually brought off with about 30 minutes to go. So having two strikers in the squad might leave us a little bit exposed to injuries. So I think the club want to bring somebody else in. There's a small possibility that we'll go for a proper marquee signing. I mean, we were interested in Ellis Sims before we went to Coventry and we're priced out of that one. But it'll most likely be somebody willing to be the backup for a couple of different positions in the forward line. That might be Tyrese John-Jules, who was on loan last season, um, got injured early in the season, but would have played a much bigger role had that not been the case. Um, whoever does come in, though, I'd like it to be done pretty quickly because Kieran McKenna's system is very meticulously planned and also demanding. So even all of his best signings so far, you know, the likes of Leif Davis, George Hurst and uh, Freddie Ladapo have all taken a while to adapt. So I think given that we're only, what, two weeks, less than two weeks away from the start of the season now, anybody who is signed now probably won't be at their best until the end of August. So I think while we've got to primarily be focused on quality, I think we've there is a little bit of urgency now to get somebody in um on the pitch the team will come into the season on a, you know on, on pretty big high because they haven't lost a game since January and the way that we play should help us adapt to the level pretty well you know we're, we're very well drilled there's lots of championship experience in the squad already so Sam Morsey, Christian Walton, Connor Chaplin have all played at least two or three seasons at this level um if I had to pick out a player to watch it probably would be Leif Davis so he maybe didn't get the credit he deserved last season because Connor Chaplin, with his 26 goals and his golden boot, won, won the Player of the Year award probably quite expectedly. But Davis, in his first proper season of senior football, really topped the assist chart in League One from left back and was also one of uh, also part of the league's best defence. So, yeah, I think he's he's really got some... There's really some good potential in him there and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he adapts to the step up. Um, we should also have more spending power, which is well publicised than the average promoted side. But of course, it's a tough league. And in my mind, I think there are probably three teams at the top of the league who look significantly stronger than the others. Um, so I'd say if all the stars align and everything goes particularly well, I'd say we could potentially get a playoff spot. I think that mid-table finish is more likely, though, especially because I do worry a little bit about if we start if we start well, then McKenna, given his reputation and his background as a coach at Man United and Spurs will possibly then become a target for Premier League clubs. Um, overall, though, it's just nice to be back in the Championship, especially now that we've got an ownership which has a plan to do more than just make up the numbers. I mean, last summer in the division under Marcus Evans, it was kind of managed decline and gradual decline, but the current ownership have definitely have the drive to get us to the Premier League eventually, which is really exciting. Um, I think that ambition probably will have to wait a couple of years first, but most fans are happy with that. You know, if we can just get to mid-table with maybe an eye on the playoffs the year after, that that would be that would be great. But um, yeah, in the long term, I, I think things look really positive. Thank you so much, Jacob. Absolutely fantastic insights on a club on the rise. Check out the fantastic Blue Monday Ipswich Town podcast. The link to that is also in the show notes. Great measured views from both our Ipswich Town experts. Many people underestimate the sheer size of this football club. It is hard to avoid cliches such as sleeping giant. Ed Sheeran is a tractor boy to the core. His social media reach is even bigger than the likes of Chelsea. To have him associate with the club will only mean they grow even more. Legendary names like Sir Alf Ramsey, Sir Bobby Robson both emerge from this great club. They have shown in the past what they are capable of. Fabled UEFA Cup nights and a miracle five-year spell in the late 70s and early 80s saw them win the FA Cup and the UEFA Cup and finish runners-up twice in the old Premier League, the first division. 
They're on the rise again. A proper football club like this deserves it. Check them out this coming season. They are electric to watch. You're listening to Eurotales, where European football stories are explored one at a time. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Pack your bags, dust off your passports. We're off to sunny España, Spain. Little old Celta Vigo have been making the news in recent weeks. In June, they announced the household name will become their new manager. Wiley, 63-year-old Rafael Benitez, was announced as a new manager. The Spaniard had been out the management game since he was sacked by Everton in January. He brings a considerable wealth of experience to Vigo, having managed some of the biggest names in the game, from Real Madrid, Liverpool, Chelsea, Napoli and Inter Milan, to name just a few. His successes Read like a golden Willy Wonka ticket, winning the Champions League, La Liga twice, the Europa League, the UEFA Cup, Club World Cup, FA Cup and Coppa Italia. His career is difficult to match. He replaces Carlos Carvajal, who departed the club after Vigo avoided relegation by the skin of their teeth. Benitez got the boot at Everton after just six months, following a torrid run of results, which saw the Toffees gather just seven wins from 22 games. The experienced manager brings a pedigree to a La Liga club, having finished top of the league not once but twice with Valencia. Is Celta Vigo and Benitez a match made in heaven? Let's gather some precious insights from La Liga expert Marc Sochon. It has been quite a quiet summer so far in La Liga, certainly for a lot of bottom half Teams, but there have been a few interesting developments, none more so than in Galicia, where Celta Vigo have attracted Rafa Benitez to the club to be their new coach for the 2023-24 season. Um, this feels like quite a, quite a change in strategy for the club because in recent years they've tended to go for slightly lesser known names, let's say, or journeyman coaches like Carlos Carvajal, who was their coach last season. They've had Chacha Cadet, Antonio Mohamed, Miguel Cardoso, Francis Grobar, and Rafa Benitez will be their eighth coach since Eduardo Barizzo left in 2017. Um, that alone tells you that there hasn't been a great deal of stability at Belaidos in recent years. They've not had a lot of success, just one top half finish in the last seven years. And the 2022 23 season was. A bit of a weird campaign in many ways. It could be split into three distinctive parts. They struggled pretty badly in the first chunk of the season prior to the World Cup, um, winning just three games, conceding far too many goals. And that led to the dismissal of Kudet and in came Carlos Carvajal. They then went on a um, really great run in the, the beginning of 2023, uh, they rose from a relegation battle into talk of a possible challenge for Europe heading into the March international break. They were looking really good in that period. They had goals were coming from Iago Aspas and uh, the talented youngster Gabri Vega were combining brilliantly. And even in defence, things had improved a lot. They had a strong central pairing with Joseph Aydou and Unai Nunes and Things looked great, but they came back from the international break and everything fell apart, really. They won just one of their next 11 games. And that meant they were in real danger going into the final day of the season. They could have gone down, but they managed to get a 2-1 win against the champions Barcelona. It wasn't a particularly full-strength Barca side. They obviously hadn't got anything to play for by that point, but um, Vega, who had been... Out of form the previous weeks came up good with two goals, uh, which kept Celta in the league for another season. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Rafa can do with this team. There are a few foundations from which you can build from. I think there's, as I said, quite a strong central defence there. And obviously with Benitez teams, you always associate them with being quite tight at the back, um, not conceding too many goals. So... I think that will be his initial priority, was, will be to try and get things organised again defensively. And 
Celtic did show during that good spell they had last term that they are a team that's capable of keeping things tight. At the other end of the pitch, they've pulled off what I think is possibly one of the signings of the summer in La Liga so far. In they've signed Jonathan Bamba on a free transfer from Lille. Uh, he scored six goals and contributed seven assists last season in Ligue 1. So um, I think this is another a real coup for Celtic. He's a player that was linked with um, a few other clubs, like some Marseille and France. And yeah, it's a bit of a surprise, to be honest, to see him um, rocking up in Vigo. But yeah, he, he adds a new, new dimension to their attack. I think he's an upgrade on um, the, the existing wide players that they have. Uh, obviously, the Argo Aspas is still there. He's been the mainstay of their attack for a number of years now, a real cult figure in Vigo, a hometown hero and a prolific goal scorer. But he did have a few injury problems towards the end of last season. So Rafa will be hoping he can get him fit again and he will be an important player once more, you would imagine. But the big unknown really is on the future of Gabriel Vega. Um, it was widely expected that he would leave the club this summer. But so far, we've not had any concrete action on that front. Um, as I said, he had a bit of a dip in form towards the end of last season. He didn't feature much for Spain under-21s in the Euros in the summer. So I think Celtic fans will be hoping that maybe some of the bigger clubs are thinking, let's just wait and see, let's give it another season. And obviously that would be brilliant for Celta if they could keep their young, talented attacking midfielder for one more year. Certainly the prospect of Vega, Aspas and Bamba forming um, the core of Celta's attack this season, I think it's quite exciting. It's something that Celta fans would certainly be looking forward to seeing. I think the squad's as it is right now, there are one or two holes that will still need filling. But overall, I'd certainly expect it to have a better season next time around. Obviously, this, I think Benitez will be hungry to prove something of a point back in Spain for the first time since um, he was sat by Real Madrid in 2016. So I think he'll be keen to remind everyone of what he can do. Um but obviously a lot does hinge on what will happen with Vega. Um, if they could get a, a, a fee in for him, I don't think they will accept anything less than the €40 million Euro release clause. That will give them some pretty significant funds to go and strengthen other areas, perhaps get a, a better goalkeeper, possibly a right-back they need. And it would help the club to shape shape the squads that would more, more suit Rafa's style of play. So I think it's going to be a really interesting few weeks ahead in Vigo. Celta will really want the the Vegas situation to be resolved sooner rather than later. Either that he's staying or that they get a fee in quickly and then they can go ahead with that rebuild process. Um, but either way, I think this is a team that has underachieved overall in the last few years. Has had quite a few relegation battles in seasons when you've looked at their squad and thought um, yeah they basically shouldn't shouldn't really have been in that position um, with a few more players of genuine quality than one or two teams that finished higher than them so with a coach of Rafa Benitez's calibre I think it's going to be uh, potentially quite a good season for Celta certainly an improvement on last year where they ended up fighting relegation and if they can make the right moves over the coming weeks in the market, I'd certainly expect them to be heading up to at least mid-table. Perhaps they could even be dark horses for a European push if one or two of the teams uh, above them fall away a little bit this year. Thank you so much, Mac. For all things La Liga, check out Mac's fantastic website, LaLigaExpert.com. The link to his website and Twitter handle is in the show notes. Vigo and Benitez have been very active in the window thus far. Seven years on from a disappointing spell in charge of Real Madrid, Benitez is back in his homeland. Will he get the redemption he seeks? His Celta Vigo story will be a fascinating watch. Boom, like a boomerang, we are back to England. Derby County ahead of the curtain racer against Wigan. 
next month Derby will be seeking to build on the momentum from last season and impressive form this preseason thus far. The Rams are astute at producing their own talent through their academy, but manager Paul Warren will be eager to add to his forward options before the big kickoff. Ideally, the attacking unit could do with a dash of pace, given Connor Washington and James Collins are their forward options. Only high flyers Ipswich Town and Sheffield Wednesday had a higher expected goals in Derby County in League One last season. It was their first season in the third tier of English football since 1986. A fan stepped in with a takeover to haul his boy club, club, boyhood club, I beg your pardon, out of administration. Let's hear from a man who knows far more about Derby County than I. We are joined by Jake Barker from the fantastic Rams Talk podcast. You'll see I give Jake some very easy questions to answer. Over to you, Jake. Hi, guys. Um, thank you so much for choosing to have me on your podcast. Uh, for people who don't know, I'm, I'm Jake Barker. I'm from Ramsport Podcast. And, okay, so I've been tasked with uh, sending an audio message regarding my dreams for the rest of the window and where I think we'll finish. Now, you could not have picked two harder, two harder questions, to be honest. I mean, first of all, dreams to the rest of the window. Um, you ask any Derby fan, me included, and a new striker is so important. Um, when you look at Derby's options, we do have options, but we don't have sort of that complete striker, that complete finisher to play in the front two. We've got James Collins, who obviously knows how to put the ball in the net. Um, you've got Connor Washington, who works quite hard, but we've not really got anyone who, who can replace or directly replace David McGoldrick's quality. And to be honest, I don't know if we will. Um, myself and Paul Warner pretty much on the same page with that. He wants another number nine, he wants another number 10, and he wants another wing back. Um, I think I'd go one more than that and want us to bring in cover and central midfield as well because I think our midfield three is brilliant at the minute. But if we get an injury to Bird or Hurahan or Corey Smith, we're going to be in real trouble. So, yeah, another midfielder, preferably a young lad. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, another wing-back wouldn't go too badly either. Um, where do I think we'll finish next season? Well, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I, I hope we finish top two. And I think with the squad that we're building, the manager that we've got, the facilities that we've got, the stadium, everything like that, I think everything points to us finishing in the top two. Um, last season was a difficult one. We knew it was going to be tough and we actually exceeded expectations, whereas this season the pressure's really on. And from the pre-season showings that we've seen so far, especially Saturday's game against Stoke, I mean, this might change after we play Sheffield United and lose 12-0 or something, but we looked brilliant against Stoke. Um, all the players looked really on it. They looked really fit. Players like Max Bird looked levels above how they were last season fitness-wise. So... Yeah, it it looks really promising. And I mean, as I've said already, you look at the squad that we've got and, and the players that we have and everything points towards being in the upper echelons of the division. Um, I think top four would be considered good. I think top two would be considered a real success. I think if we're any lower than that, I think question marks, you know, will, will come up, especially regarding Paul Warren and his future. But try not to look at it like that and, and think, yeah, this has got to be our season. Um, I've never seen us achieve automatic promotion, so that would be nice if we could do that. And everything points towards that at the minute. So let's hope Paul Warren can get this squad of players working, um, you know, get us scoring goals, get us being solid at the back with the signings that we've made. And yeah, hopefully we'll be celebrating a derby promotion at the end of the season. So nice one. Cheers, lads. Thank you so much to the incredibly knowledgeable Jacob Barker, the link to the brilliant Rams Talk podcast and Jacob's Twitter handlers in the show notes. Derby went from despair, suffering, well, they went from the land of despair, suffering a 21-point deduction and administration coupled with relegation from the championship to an unlikely playoff push in League One last season. Their turnaround was a remarkable one. There was a very real prospect of them going out of business at one point. They will be intent on getting out of League One as soon as possible. 
the glimpses of magnificence they showed in spells last season may be an indicator for what's to come this year. Well, that's all we've got time for in this absolute bumper episode. Thank you to all our guests for your expertise, your knowledge, your laughs and your patience with some of the difficult questions I pose to you. And you, pod friends, for listening, please make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss future episodes. Have a look at the back catalogue if you're a first-time listener, host of stories from all clubs and all experts all around the continent. Please rate and review our show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Until next time, be well. Thanks for listening. Don't miss us between episodes. Simply follow our socials, links in the show notes, or simply search at EuroTalesPod on Twitter. EuroTales. Podcast Network.